Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Easy A. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but it probably helps. So if you continue, please do be aware that the podcast contains light plot spoilers for the film Easy A. Enjoy. Hello. Hello. Good morning. It's a sunny Sunday morning, not long after I last spoke to you, actually. Yeah, in fact, yeah, it's only been a few days. Yeah, so episode six will be La La Land, and that'll be proper, like, real good audio quality, because we've both done the thing where we recorded ourselves separately. So episode five, I know, isn't the absolute best, but stick with us, because it gets better. It does, both in terms of audio quality and, I hope, conversational quality as well. Yeah, I think by the time we... um, we get to like a hundred episodes the quality of our conversation will be so kind of intellectual and highfalutin that it'll be being discussed at academic symposia around the world <laughs> chomsky's gonna write a book about by it the 200, by, by the 200th episode will have gone so downhill that it's basically just fart noises for an hour yeah that's the, that's what they call the uh, the podcast curve <laughs> i don't know if you've listened to mark Marin recently but he's just a, like you just tune in and it's like Hey folks, today I'm interviewing a really cool guy. I'm interviewing Ryan Gosling. Hey Ryan Gosling. <laughs> oh, that's a joke at the expense of Mark Marin, but I really like what he does. Yeah, I, I find that with podcasts in general that a lot of a lot of them do maintain a pretty good standard of quality. Um the one that I'm I feel very sad about is the Bugle, which I don't know if you ever listened to. I used to listen to The Bugle back in the day, or maybe I think I listened to it a few times and I couldn't really get into it. I find, I do think that Andy Zaltzman and John Oliver are very, very funny people individually. John Oliver's stuff on is it The, the Daily Show um, is often very, very funny. But um, yeah, I find the, the whole approach to it is a little bit smug and it's a bit scripted and I like podcasts to be rambling in free form. Um, so, you know, I, I really like them both. I really like their work, but I couldn't get into the Bugle personally. Is it still going? No, that's the thing is particularly John Oliver, his schedule, because he's kind of become massive. Um, they kind of don't do it anymore. So I think they're thinking about bringing someone else in alongside Andy Saltzman was the last thing I heard, but I don't know what else is going on with it. Cool. Yeah, I don't know if you ever saw, um, do you know the comedian Matt Ford? No, I don't know Matt Ford. He um, He's mostly a political guy and he has a podcast called The Political Party where he interviews politicians live um, and it's really, really good and really funny. But he also has a TV show on Dave called Unspun, um, which is really, really good. And he, it does it's a similar thing, interviewing politicians and making jokes about politics. But Andy Zaltzman has a slot on that as the like resident analyst, sort of making up fake facts and stuff and just kind of talking at the camera in his school teachery way and on that i find him absolutely sensationally funny but i think it's funnier when you can see him because he's he's got he's got he's a comedy looking guy you know some people just look funny <laughs> so yeah we'll get on to like talking about other podcasts at some point we could do like a whole special on what other podcasts we like i think but we are yeah, here yeah. to talk about films we are indeed and so um we both went away and watched easy a i did i watched it yesterday in the afternoon I was leisurely kicking back with the windows open in the sun. It was a it was a good um a good oh, Saturday nice. afternoon film, actually, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. I um so I it's, hadn't uh, seen it before. Got a got a bit of a feel good message to it. Oh yeah. So um but you had seen it before. So did you see it in the cinema when it came out? No. Um Katie introduced me to it. Um so I've only seen it in the last few years. Um but since watching it I've watched it multiple times. Cool. So that's interesting because as much as I enjoyed it, I don't think that I would watch it again. Um, it's just one of those films where like, I thought it was I thought it was okay. There were a lot of things to like, and there was nothing that I really disliked about it. But it didn't like I did I wasn't blown away by it, which I think is the same. You could say that about a lot of teen and romantic films, I guess. And that's kind of what I guess what we want to explore is that why are some of, why do some of them really blow you away? But there are a lot of stuff that's kind of middling. Like this, I'd say. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I completely disagree. I think it's a standout example of a modern sort of teen movie um, and that it does a lot of things quite differently to other films of the same ilk. And I think that's what really separated it for me. Yeah, no, that that I would agree with. I did find the um, the kind of the premise and the way that it approached the teen comedy um, to be to be different in a very, very good way. Um, in that it's about it's not about her chasing a guy. It's about her reputation. And it's based vaguely on the the work of literature, the Scarlet Letter, which I have never read. Have you? No, no. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't it, matter. It's something that will... they give you like Com- a summary. It... <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something that constantly pained my lecturers throughout university is um, I have very little time for classic literature. Yeah, me too. Fuck that um, shit. I'm very much, a, very much a sort of modern literature guy and sort of like things like uh, that sort of play around with postmodernism and things like that. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I get very bored when I read stuff that's pre-1945, I guess. Yeah, me too. Apart from Chaucer, because Chaucer is well funny. Like, I really enjoyed the Chaucer module that we had on our English degree second year. Um, so it's like, you either have to go back to medieval times when everything was really, really bawdy and hilarious and nobody gave a shit. And and then if you can just skip all literature that's between there and 1945, you're good. <laughs> yeah, Shakespeare can start off. <laughs> Whatever. You can get out. If with your inventing <laughs> words and your love stories and Caliban's and whatever, don't want to know, mate. <laughs> yeah, him and them, him and them Caliban's. <laughs> the Caliban's. It's my new band. Actually, there was a band called Caliban, wasn't there? Maybe there still is. Yeah, they're like a metal band, weren't they? Yeah, that's actually a good name for a metal band. It is, yeah. Shakespeare has given us some good. He gave us a name for a good metal band. Yeah. Now, actually, to be fair to Shakespeare, or as the as the teacher in 10 Things I Hate About You said, Shakespeare may be a dead white guy, but he knows his shit. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah I I'd, did, agree. I'd agree with that. I was kind of comparing it in the back of my mind to 10 Things I Hate About You, just because they're both kind of teen films. And um, that's like of the seven films that we have discussed now, that's two of them that have been teen comedies and that i think is is it's like a substrata of the rom-com genre which there are also loads and loads of stories and it's been done to death but um both of these had had the um the link to a kind of what classic work of literature 10 things perhaps more so um in terms of its actual plotting and characters the scarlet um easy a just took the concept of the scarlet letter from the scarlet letter and she like she sews the a that um the, the woman in the Scarlet Letter has to wear on her clothes to show that she's an adulterer and she kind of takes that and takes ownership of that and then that becomes her identity um, for a while. And that's um, that was an interesting take, definitely. So from, from that point of view, I did find that quite curious and that did make you curious to see where it was going. So in, in, in that way, I think actually it did, it did well in terms of plotting um, and pace because I did care perhaps more about the action from that point of view because it wasn't just a straight up are they aren't they aren't they love story although obviously they did get together in the end her and the uh, what's his name Woodchuck Todd yeah Woodchuck Todd um, yeah and, w- and what I like about it is that um, so so in Easy A for anyone who hasn't seen it um, Emma Stone lies about losing her virginity to try and stop a friend from bugging her. Um, this then becomes a huge rumor around the school. Um, and she decides that people who are being, um, some, someone asks her to pretend for them to have sex together. This guy who's, who's gay, but who hasn't come out and is being bullied at school and wants to try and stop people from thinking that he's gay. Um, and she agrees to do it. Um, and so it's this whole thing about how she actually is still a virgin but everyone in the school thinks of her as loose of her sexuality and everything like that. Um, and yeah, it's an interesting way to do it. And what I, what I really liked is that there is this romance between her and Woodchuck Todd, who's like the, the mascot for the sports teams. He dresses like a woodchuck. Um, and he's, he's a very funny guy. But like he never gets suckered into the whole, oh, she's a slut thing that goes on. No, he and I like that there wasn't... One, one of the things I... 
every now and then and then they're just yeah. like hanging out they're making little jokes and stuff so their relationship builds gradually on the side they're kind of joking around together and that and that's quite nice in a way although when it does finally come together in the end it feels a little bit rushed because the focus has been on her her reputation but it's still you still want it to happen especially as he's the mascot and not one yeah. of the actual football players i mean he's still hot but it's like yeah he's the mascot and that's you know mascots don't get he, enough he is an attractive guy and and also looks far too old to be at high school. So there, there's this very funny bit in the film where there's this there's one of one of like the Christian group there has been held back like four years or five years, and he looks noticeably older. But pretty much everybody in this movie is clearly not a, a high school age person. Yeah, everybody looks ancient. Um, but yeah, what I really like about the Wood, Woodchuck Todd's Emma Stone romance is that in a in a in a movie that wasn't so carefully carefully worked out there would have been a moment where he was like, is it true? Or, oh, I don't know if I can be with you given your history and stuff like that. And he just knows from the off that it's a load of old bull. Yeah. And so they never have that dramatic moment, which you would expect from a movie of this kind, which I think is a very clever choice to make. Yeah, that's very true, actually. I don't think I thought that deeply about it because it just kind of worked seamlessly. And But yeah, the, the jeopardy, they didn't force any jeopardy of their relationship to come from something coming between them. It was actually more that she he he always liked her and was always there. And it's like she had to come to the realisation um, of that rather than... And he didn't care about her reputation either. So she had to come to the realisation of that on her own. So it was more about her own journey than just kind of two people and driving a wedge between them and that's good for a high school teen film i guess because that's about how you grow up and grow out of bullshit stuff like your reputation yeah and, and instead that jeopardy comes from her relationship with friends in the movie um so her best friend who she event who she originally tells that she's lost her virginity um to try and stop her from having this difficult conversation this kind of friction there is how it affects her relationship with her best friend, um, which is which is an interesting way to do it in a film like this. Yeah, for sure. And the the best friend is quite a good character because it's it's all her fault really. Because like Emma Stone's just you see, how was your weekend? And she didn't really do anything. She said, oh, didn't do anything. But she lied about having a date with a guy called George. And then they say that George is not a sexy name, which did did entertain me. That line, there's this whole thing about George not being a sexy yeah. name, which I think I think is mostly fair. I'm trying to think of a sexy George, but I can't. So oh, George Clooney. Oh, George Clooney. Okay, yeah, there. So they're definitely wrong. That yeah. One of the most sexy men. Yeah. In the history of cinema, I think because George Soros um, has been in the headlines a lot recently. I keep thinking about him, and he's kind of like <laughs> right. the, he's he's jowly. You know, he's one of the richest men on the planet, but. He is jowly AF. Trying to think of other handsome Georges. Um, yeah. We could turn that into George, like a side. George Lucas is a handsome. <laughs> in in a way, yeah. He's got he's got very strange cheeks. Have you ever <laughs> noticed that his cheeks are like a chipmunk? He he would be an excellent woodchuck, wouldn't he? He he would. He was born to be a woodchuck, for sure. I mean, sod Star Wars. Being a woodchuck was his true calling, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, you've got, um, yeah, you've got uh, George Lazenby, one of the former Bonds, who was a handsome model. Yep. F- some people um, think he's the best. George Bond. Miller, the Mad Max director. I I don't know whether they're, they're he's sexy wrong or not. Entirely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he he is a very handsome man, but he is an appalling actor. Yes, um, I, I will agree with you. Um, I think that's it for handsome Georges. I can't think of any other. Hold on, hold on, George Michael. Off the top of my head, George Michael. God rest his soul. Oh, George Michael, yeah. yeah. I've just been thinking down the a- actor route. Yeah, um, yeah. Actor and movie route. But yeah, George yeah. Michael. Yeah, so as as completely is, uh, unfounded and ludicrous it? as the line about there being a George not... Well, maybe it was just that George is not a sexy name, but I think we've just discussed several sexy Georges that prove that wrong. But I still found that to be a very, very funny line. Yeah. So, yeah, they have the... She lies that she's going out on a date yeah, with so the guy George. So, uh, and then... Have her friend like because she's being a bit kind of quiet and coy and defensive. The friend immediately assumes that that means that she lost her virginity and won't let it go. And and that's kind of although that is hyperbolic and a bit stupid. You have had those kind of conversations with people. We've all had a conversation like that with someone where they just won't believe you, 
And you're saying, no, I didn't do it. And they're going, yeah, you did, you did, you're being coy. And it's like, yeah, yeah. It, like, whether it was back in high school or as an adult, we've all had a conversation like that. So that's the thing that kickstarts the whole chain of events. And that is quite funny and relatable. I, I found it to be anyway. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where um, I think everyone has had that kind of conversation where like someone... And also it's kind of like someone thinks you've done something cooler than you're capable of as well. And you're like, no, I didn't do this. And you're like, oh, come on. You're just, yeah, you're just being dumb about it. It's like, no, I really am not yeah. cool enough to have a one night stand with a man called George. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're, you're trying to, trying to downplay it or trying to be modest. It's like, I oh, don't, you know, don't be modest. Big yourself up, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, yeah, that's the interesting thing. And then, it kind of it snowballs from there and she has the thing with Brandon who's the the gay guy who wants to to hide his sexuality um and then she kind of she's she's reluctant at first obviously and then he's like I'll pay you and she doesn't seem to care about the money either which is which is good I guess because you know if it was about money I think it would have felt a bit more cynical but um yeah so she she mainly seems yeah. to agree to it out of wanting to help people and that also runs through it as a nice thread where even though um she doesn't come across as like a super um overly nice person most of it is done out of her wanting to help people or at least to not be a dick to someone so she does the thing with brandon um and then they go they go to a party and pretend to have sex in a room and that's a quite a good quite a fun sort of physical comedy scene is that they the physical comedy of people pretending to have sex while people are listening outside the door i feel like that's actually been done on film quite a lot but i couldn't think of any other films where that has been done off the top of my head yeah it it must have been done before but um i love the way that they do it this time round because you've got um one one gay man and one woman who's never had uh, sexual intercourse with someone else trying to simulate having sex in a way that will appease other people outside the room who probably haven't had sexual intercourse themselves either and um when they're <laughs> well, one bit that always makes me crack up is when they're trying to simulate the moaning of having sex <laughs> yeah and like um <laughs> and the guy is just sort of like moaning like a walrus out of nowhere and it just makes me laugh every single time <laughs> and he I does like it. a walrus face yeah that is that is very very good and and that yeah. scene i think had um, my favorite he... line of the whole film and i can't even remember what the context was but she goes what do you think i have down there a gnome <laughs> <laughs> yeah which is just a funny image um and it's worth pointing out that um that, that brandon's played by um dan bird who was the son in cougar town Oh, okay. I've not. I don't know if you've it. ever watched Cougar Town. No, it's it's really really funny. Um, a very underrated show that I think deserved more love when it was on screen. Um, and uh, it was by the by the same guy who did Scrubs. Good, good oh, right. original Scrubs. I used to love Scrubs um, back in the day. And yeah, it's very funny. Um, but 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 this is another it's another film where like there's a huge load of great secondary characters in it so so brandon is really funny um but then like there's all these very acclaimed actors and actresses that kind of fill the other positions in the movie yeah so um so olive emma stone's parents are um stanley tucci and patricia clarkson so good i love both of them um and stanley tucci especially were my favorite part of the movie yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Stanley yeah. Tucci. But I, I think the, the whole family dynamic was so good. Yeah, I wish that he was my like cool uncle or something because yeah, he's just great. He's like the sort of woke, fun dad, but at at no point does it feel forced. Like, and he's just he's joking about with their adopted son about being adopted, and he's joking with her about about sex and stuff, and it doesn't feel weird at any point because he's just such a cool and fun actor. Um, and I think. He's he's had kind of a slight. He's become a much more famous, I think, in the last few years, off doing some really big films. Whereas before, I think he wasn't perhaps as well known. But he's been kind of he's been there or since the nineties since Beethoven. I mean, it always has to come back to Beethoven with me. But he yes, plays the villain yeah. in Beethoven, and his his performance <laughs> in that is perfect. And he's got this kind of dumb Dumbo accomplice. And at one point, um, the the accomplice is like talking about one of the dogs, and Stanley Tucci goes, "What are you, some kind of animal lover?" 
And as a kid, I thought that was like the most villainous thing that anyone could ever say. And his performance as both kind of a villain or kind of um, showboaty TV presenter in The Hunger Games, which is like the performance of that film. And then in this film, as the as the fun yeah, work yeah. dad, he's just perfect. He's just a brilliant, brilliant actor. And the company that I work for published his cookbook as well. Oh, really? Yeah. Excellent. It's called um, The Tucci Table. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's great. Oh really? Yeah. I, I want I want that cookbook. I will get you a copy. Of um, it. Yeah, he's one of those actors that, that always elevates a movie. Um, so the terminal, for instance, where he's like the mm. officious um, airport manager or security manager or something like that. I've not seen it in years, but he's really great in that. Um, he's in the Lovely Bones as well as the not killer in the Lovely Bones, and he is amazing. It's a completely opposite the sort of performance you expect from Sandy Tucci where he's genuinely menacing and creepy and unnerving. And it's, yes, yeah, great performance from him. And yeah, in, in this movie, he's just, he just lights up the screen every time he's on it as this very relaxed dad. But like you said, it's not done in a very, um, sort of forced way. It all feels very natural and he's got some of the best lines in the movie. So like when everyone else is off screen, he's just there with his black adopted son and he turns to him and goes, so where are you from exactly? And stuff <laughs> like that. It's just really, it's really good. Um, and, and when, um, and when the, the son just casually drops into conversation that he's adopted and um, Stanley Tucci has that sort of joke reaction where it's like, Oh my God, who told you we were going to wait until you were older, <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I think all of the supporting cast actually really, really help to to get the film along because when there is suddenly a scene, he doesn't have that much screen time. There's only, I think, about four or five scenes with the parents, um, but they're always really, really like a nice break from the high school action um, and doesn't feel like they're trying to shoehorn anything in or make sure any of those um, famous supporting actors get paid or anything, which sometimes is the way when they get big people for films like this. Um, to be supporting in the supporting cast but yeah that all the supporting cast do a really really great job and um yeah so you, you got stanley tucci patricia clarkson you've got the the english teacher guy who i recognize but couldn't tell you from where yeah i don't know where he's from either but um i recognize him recognize him from somewhere um and then we've got um malcolm mcdowell as the as the um, principal of the school as well he is great he says, <laughs> if I can keep the girls off the pole and the yeah. boys off the pipe, I get a bonus. Which <laughs> just really tickled me. <laughs> and again, it's great just to have him randomly turning up in a film like this. Yeah. And it just, yeah. And um, and you've got Lisa Kudrow as well as yeah. like the the the... Um, the sort of like guidance counsellor who plays a very big part in the overall plot as well. Yeah. Um. And uh, yeah, no, overall, it's just a really good supporting cast. It helps push the film along. Um, and it like, it takes a little bit of the weight off Emma Stone's shoulders, but I think she does a really good job in this film. And she's got this kind of sarcastic wit to her. It's almost like a lighter version of what you get in um, The Gilmore Girls, I'd say. Yeah, I I think her her performance is really really good, and she was very young. I think she was only twenty one or twenty two, and um, yeah, she's very believable as a high schooler, despite being that bit older. Not that it really matters, but yeah, she's got a real wit and sarcasm and charm to her that I think actually, if it had been a weaker actress, the film would not have wouldn't have been as good, even if it had all the same supporting cast. I think yeah, it was all very very believable, and especially as it the film includes this kind of webcast idea as a framing device although it's kind of pre it's pre iphone this film which i always i always talk talk about like i said this in 500 days of summer that it's the um 2009-10 is the kind of watershed where you know everyone had a phone in their pocket and was able to like do sort of short webcasts and things really easily but it wasn't that easy back then but i think it it kind of presages today's youtube generation a little bit and that she's she's doing this kind of webcast thing that doesn't become immediately obvious until the very very end when she's like telling the story about her reputation through the webcast and then goes and goes off with woodchuck todd um, and everyone's like tuning into it on their sony vio laptop which also kind of dates it quite well um 
but yeah, she she works really well as the kind of the webcast girl in those kind of believable scenes, but also yeah, in the scenes where she has to try and like especially this after the thing with Brandon the the way it then escalates is she goes to and there's another guy comes up to her and says like oh can I pay you um for the same thing just to tell people that we'd had sex or whatever um and then she her immediate reaction is like oh hell no but then when he's like kind of please and like begs with her because um he's fat and he he can't get any which is you know it's it's unfortunate that they had to use that kind of trope but it didn't those kind of tropes aren't relied on for the action so it doesn't matter um but then what you can see that that there's conflict in her about whether to to help him at the expense of her reputation and that kind of thing um and she she does well on getting across the the nuances of that part of the character and the struggle of being teenage i guess i think she's she's good at that yeah yeah i think i think it's a it's a good varied performance um that sort of it it toes the line very well between the different sort of themes that the movie's trying to push across and it sort of handles the drama <laughs> of it the sort of implications of it the um and the more sort of slapsticky comedy as well um and like it it really helps sort of like divide her character from the rest of the sort of high school as well because high school very traditional like it is the kind of high school you get from this kind of movie and the way she talks and the way her family acts and sort of like the teachers and everything like that they're the things that really kind of separate it from other movies of this ilk um so you've got like the sort of jock characters that are really mean to everybody and then you've got the two shoes christian group who are like the main antagonists of the movie and um, it's Amanda Bynes plays the sort of leader of this group of evangelical Christians yeah. who really sort of have it out for her, apart from this brief half day where they become best friends, which is one of my favorite scenes in the movie as well, um, where it's just constant hugging and stuff like that. And it's, yeah, it's quite funny. Yeah, the the treatment of the, the Christian group was quite interesting as well because they're not they're not made to look completely foolish for their faith, but it is used as a device to set them up um, as, as antagonists. And uh, yeah, but yeah, it's just generally very, very funny. And of course it turns out that the, um, the, the older guy who has, um, has been held back, who is um, Amanda Bynes's boyfriend um, has been sleeping with the guidance counselor. So that's then a huge scandal. And then there's the thing where she's going around all the, all the churches to try and talk to someone and like not finding people or doing it wrong or whatever and then she finally ends up at a church and it's, it's fred armison as the pastor who's in it for like 10 20 yeah. seconds um and it turns out that he's her dad so she never she never gets what she needs to out of um the out of the church and the the christian group um they kind of do and i thought that was quite an interesting look at the the angle of um faith and religion as well it's just kind of saying it works for them but didn't work for her but it's kind of all okay in the end but then yeah fred armison's watching the webcast at the end um, he, he feels it in the montage there and his face is just like I, I thought his performance was very funny as well so at this point we started to get a bit of crackle on rob's recording and we had to quit the google hangout and start again so we've lost about four to five minutes of chat um, so we now have the opportunity to take a little break in the middle of the podcast before we return to talking about EZA. And um, I'm going to take this as just a quick opportunity to give you a word from our sponsor, or should I say one of my other projects, which is that I run a small uh, micro-publisher of comic books called Good Comics. Um, we've got a new book coming out this weekend, which is called Human Garbage by Josh Hicks. It's a really wonderful miscellany it's all sort of some of stuff some of the stuff is autobiographical some of the stuff is sci-fi some speculative fiction stuff some of it's been published before some of it's new it's all wonderful and um, i'd really love it if you would check out some of our books um even if you think that you're not a comic book person it's not what you're thinking there's not a cape in sight it's it's not superhero stuff it's not it's nothing like that but we you know We've published all sorts of comics from all sorts of different people and we're really proud of what we do and we think that our work is really cool and really accessible. So I'd really love it if you could check it out. So head to goodshop.bigcartel.com um, or ourcomicsaregood.tumblr.com or um, on Twitter 
good underscore comics. We're called Good Comics because our comics are good. Now back to the podcast. The thing about her reputation, it reminded me of, I think it's Oscar Wilde, that quote, the only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. Um, and it's like, there's there's a thread running through her actions as well that's like people want to be popular and people want to be talked about. And at high school, it seems like popularity is really important. But I was never quite sure how important that was to her, whether she she started to embrace that as a secondary point to her desire to just help people. I, f- I found that quite interesting as well, the I- the idea that of wanting to have a reputation. Yeah, and I-, I think she didn't really know either, which is quite interesting, is that she's always had this kind of independent life. And she mentions it at one point as well, that she's used to being alone. Um, so it's kind of like new ground for her for having to, in terms of having that attention in the first place, which I think is quite an interesting way to talk about it. And it really sort of discusses that fine line um that's particularly true when you're a teenager of like wanting to be popular but also the dangers that come with that level of popularity and what happens when you're popular with the wrong kind of people and for the wrong kind of reasons yeah definitely and it's a you raised a very good point about you don't think that she knows either which is very very true to life when you're a teenager you have there's so much going on up there there are so many different influences and that kind of thing and that the school setting influences you but so do your parents and so does your reputation and so does kind of thinking about what you want to do with your life and teachers and that kind of thing and a lot of the time you make decisions based on things that you think you want and then realize that actually you don't because yeah you're you're still working things out at that age aren't you and that i guess that was more the point of it than the romance love story like the romantic love story was definitely with woodchuck todd was definitely very was secondary to that yeah 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 exactly um which is one of the reasons why i like the film so much is it it talks about things that aren't talked about very often in teen movies um but that are true to being a teenager yeah definitely i really liked that um it references like john hughes and 80s films like completely directly like literally had like little clips from them and she's saying i wish my life could be like an 80s film um and it's interesting that those films even in 2009 10 still are still kind of held up um as as you know good good romance and that kind of thing so maybe we we need to explore why that is and talk about a couple more of those kind of films what do you think yeah i'd be up for that watch a bit of breakfast club pretty in pink that kind of thing yeah for sure um, and then she goes, um, I want to get my, my one big musical number, which is, yeah. That's, and then obviously she does at the end. And it's it's kind of hilarious that they, uh, they the marching band, because there's always, there's always the marching band, the high school marching band. It has to be, has to be in there somewhere in, in, in any, kind <laughs> yeah, of film, yeah. any kind of high school film. Like in, it, actually, it's very similar to 10 Things I Hate About You, isn't it? And I feel like it actually... Not ripped it off, but definitely owes a real debt to the idea of the marching band playing the song, and then you can, you can kind of jump in and sing your bit. But it's um, it's knock on wood, which seems like kind of a strange choice, strange song choice at that point. Yeah, I, I think it works very well though. Um, that whole scene, apart from the very bad overdubbing, that she was not singing that live. N- no, unfortunately, yeah. And the same with same with La La Land as we talked about last week. So maybe that is just that's her one her one weakness that she can't she can't do it live. <laughs> yeah, the, but the, yeah, the problem. Yeah, I don't I don't want to harp on about La La Land again. But there was that one great song where she did do it live, and it's like, come on, sing more. But I don't even I don't even know if she was actually singing that that version of Knock on Wood or not, or whether it was just done by somebody else and then she mimed along. I'd like to think that it was her, but I would not be surprised if you told me for sure that it wasn't, just because it was, it, yeah, it was a bit too slick. But I enjoyed it anyway as a dance scene, and she, she went up to the trombone and pulls the trombone, and it goes, yeah. that was that tickled me. <laughs> it's the best thing you can do with a trombone, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah what else? So the guy, um, I can't remember his, his name, but it's the second guy who who pays her um the the overweight gentleman and she got when she's going around trying to convince all the people to to tell the truth 
he's working in the ice cream shop and she tries to convince him and he doesn't want to do it. And then at the end, she picks up one of the cones, the ice cream cones, and just squashes it in her hand. And that, that's like a really funny, like tiny little petty revenge. And then <laughs> later on, um, when that guy's crossing the street, he's re- he's watching the webcast and a car nearly hits him. And then he throws the ice cream cone onto the windscreen <laughs> and has to run away while the guy chases him. The, the, the physical comedy <laughs> of ice cream was done very, very well in this film. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I love those little moments. I particularly like the the cone smash. Yeah, um, and I the expression was, on her face great. when she does it as well. It's just kind of a really yeah, ang- like yeah. mock angry expression. Like her facial expressions are very, very good. Like the her yeah, expressive actions and um like my dad said last week that so much male comedy is based on exasperation, but actually I think that does apply to women in these kind of films as well, because she she was obviously exasperated at a number of points, especially when the guy was trying to persuade her um to to pay that to pay her so that so that you could say that they slept together and she was kind of her reactions as being exasperated and going oh hell no we're all very very good and very funny and well timed so she hit the exasperation button well i'd say yeah yeah definitely i think yeah she did a it's a very good performance across the board Definitely. And there was some some really, really good lines. I wouldn't say that it was kind of laugh out, laugh a minute or made me laugh out loud. But when the, the good lines did come, they were always at the right time. Like um, they're talking about the um, the Christian guy who slept with the guidance counselor having to go and live with his grandparents in Florida. And it says, the voiceover goes, if there's one thing worse than chlamydia, it's Florida. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. And also, they describe no, no, no. the the high school thing at the end as a pep rally. I just like I wish that we had pep rallies. We could. It would definitely make us seem like a lot much less of a glum people. I think. I'd like a Pez rally where they just give us lots of sweets. <laughs> my my friend Ed collects Pez dispensers. I don't know if he still does, but he had like a a huge load of them once, and um, he he put, oh, set really? up like a Facebook group um, called Ed's Pez Museum and like uploaded pictures of all of them. And then the like Pez fan community were all like really horrified at him because he'd taken them out of the boxes. Oh no! How dare he? Yeah, it's one of those things where like you gotta you gotta try these things out. It's like toy collectors that don't open up the toys when they're kids and just keep them you're like no what are you doing so many wasted years playing with that toy yeah for sure like you would only keep it in the box if you were going to later on sell it but obviously you never sell it yeah the kind of collector mentality even though i'm like a comic book person i've never been like a huge collector or care about keeping things in mint condition or whatever yeah i'm the same with um i've got quite a big cd collection and some of them are quite rare Huh. Um, and play them, <laughs> you know. Like I've got a, I've got an EP of the, um, it's a sort of shoegaze metal band called Jizu, which I don't know if you've ever heard of. Yeah, ever. yeah. About a decade ago, I guess, um, amongst those circles, and um, their their original EP only had a very very limited run, and I've got a copy of it around somewhere. Cool. But, uh, like, still play it. Can't can't not play these things. Can't not use these things that's what they're there for yeah of course and like records as well i've got a few a select number of like cool vinyls and i do listen to them occasionally not all the time because it's not the easiest format but i do like the the sound of vinyl the kind of the crackle of it and that kind of thing i do like actually use my record player to play records every now and then but i'm not like one of those hipsters who'll be like vinyl sounds better because i think that's that's stupid but it sounds different and does have a nice warm quality to it that i like in a sense of yeah, it's, kind actually, of... it's actually um I, I read a good article about it actually and it's actually caused by imperfections in the vinyl format itself and that's what causes the kind of warmer fuller feel yeah i like that a lot so so in fact it is less good quality than to, so you know send me the hate everybody yeah it's the less good qualityness, which is what you like. Yeah. People, yeah, well, hate is going to hate. Potato is going to potate. <laughs> so bake it off. Bake it off. Uh-huh. 
Tomato's gonna tomate. <laughs> uh, okay, so Easy A, yeah, overall pretty good. Enjoyed the Sony Vio and Sony Ericsson product placement. How everyone was on a Sony Vio, and that you know at that point Sony Vio was on the way out as well. Like people, and I don't think it helped their sales as well either. Yeah, I don't imagine anyone would come out of this movie and be like, "Oh, I've got to immediately go and buy a Sony Vio." And the Sony Vio logo just, I just looked so dated. Even at that point, it looked very kind of early two thousands laptop, kind of wavy, kind of wavy logo. But there's a certain charm to that, I think, with the with the webcast scenes of it seeming like a novel way to try and sort out your high school reputation. Whereas if you made that film now. Again, I, I say this about a lot of films that are tied into technology, but you couldn't make that film now because everyone everyone's YouTubing their life, everyone's on Twitter. It would be all about, yeah, the rumours would be spreading on social media and then she'd be trying to deal with that and it'd be so, it'd be so different, wouldn't it? Hello? Hello? Did I disappear? I lost you there for a minute. Oh, um, that, sorry. No, I, I've, st- I've still got me here. Okay. Can you hear me now? Um... Yes, yeah, I can hear you now. Cool. Um, um, all I was saying was that yeah, you yeah, couldn't make right. this film now because of social media. Yeah, you're right. Um, the, it wouldn't just be the rumour mill that would be churning. It would be all over Twitter and Facebook and things like that. Um, so that would be another thing to have to contend with. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting how quickly things can shift. And although sort of like the idea of doing a live vlog... Um, to sort of discuss all of this is something that that does happen you know like streaming is bigger than it's ever been at the moment um it's it's interesting that the sort of difficulties faced have already changed in other ways yeah definitely in in a, a short space of time so we should we should try and find some kind of film that does deal with that that isn't lol starring miley cyrus although maybe we should talk about that sometime as well uh, we we could do, or we could not. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have put um, that one on the let, list, actually. We should, we could watch, if we do anything horror-related, we could watch the movie Unfriended, which yeah. is all about s- someone killing people through live chat and stuff. Yeah, you mentioned really that before. Abysmal. We could, we could um, yeah, we could save that to save that for October. For sure. We'll see if it's got any romance in it. If it doesn't have any romance in it, then no go. Then we don't want it. Yeah, get out. Yeah. Get so yeah, I... Mars with the other things we don't like. Yeah, get get on Mars. <laughs> yeah. So I I would give Easy A a B plus. I'm not going to give it the full A because yeah, I I it, I think I, I'm not going to. I don't think that like it could have been massively better, but. Yeah, it was just a. It was it was it was good, but I don't think I. Yeah, I loved it enough to be able to watch it again. But yeah, <laughs> solid B plus. I think it had a very good title sequences. Yeah, actually, as you know, you know, I like a good title sequences. Yes, sequence, all yeah. the words appearing on shop signs and stuff. That was good. Um, I would give it a solid. Ooh, eight point five fake romantic evenings out of ten. <laughs> Yeah, you. So yeah, you'd give it quite a lot of Target gift cards. The value of the Target gift card that you would give it would be enough to buy a, a nice barbecue, a Sony Vio laptop, a Sony Vio laptop. Yeah, not reduced, full price, full price Sony Vio laptop. That's the quality of this movie in my eyes. Yeah. So no, it's good, and it was nice to, um, I think, to go back to a relatively recent one, but to revisit the the high school um, genre as well, because um, I think that's going to come up quite a lot. Um, and it's yeah, it's good to to have various different perspectives on that, for sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So sensations talk. The only thought that I had on this was that maybe the eating contest needs some mascots. So maybe we could find out what Woodchuck t- Woodchuck Todd is up to, and just um and see if he if he'd be up for being in Sensations and being a mascot again as some kind of giant hot dog, you know we give him we give him a backstory and that kind of thing. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I'd be keen for that. He was in um, Gossip Girl, wasn't he? 
Oh, really? Um, I don't think I recognised him either. Yeah. But I never watched Gossip Girl. He he was too too often. He was dressed as a woodchuck to to be noticed. <laughs> yeah, himself well. That's his thing. He just appears in everything hey. as a woodchuck. It's a guy called Penn Badgley, which I think is a fantastic name, by the way. That On his name alone, name. he deserves to be in, in Sensation. It's possibly as a character called Penn Badgley. He can play himself. Yes. Yeah, he could. Uh, he could. He could play himself in Penn Badgley. Yeah. We need some. We need some cameos, actually, don't we? In Sensations, we could probably get a lot of like chef type people in on the basis that they play themselves if they can't act. Like I don't know, Gordon Ramsay or Anthony Bourdain or people like that. Ramsay would do it for yeah, free. Yeah, I'd, I'd be keen to have Gordon Ramsay. We just don't tell him it's a movie and just get him to turn up and shout at people. <laughs> yeah. That would be a good kind of Christopher Guest improvisational thing, wouldn't it? Where we tell him it's a real competition <laughs> yeah. and get him to show up and just yell at people. I think, it, yeah, that that has to happen. Um, the, the one thing I was thinking was, after watching Easy A, was there has to be a place in, in Sensations for Malcolm McDowell as well. Mm, yeah. As the, as some, some kind some, of angry principal. Yeah. Yeah, or, or or just a complete wild card. He's always great at playing the wild card weirdo. Yeah, could um, he be some kind of judge? Or we, yeah, we've covered a yeah. lot of our bases already, but we we haven't completed the whole judging panel, have we? No, he could be like the um, the referee. So if anyone's doing any illegal activities through their eating competition, so if they're only eating like two thirds of the hot dog. Like not eating all the bun, yeah, excessive mustard use, that kind of thing. <laughs> excessive mustard use, yeah, or using the wrong kind of mustard, English instead of American, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and there'd have to be some kind of some kind of incident where he calls someone yeah. out, and yeah, everyone's a bit scared of him, but he's good, really, because he's fair, because he's a really fair guy. Yeah, if you stick to the rules, then Michael McDowell will not come after you. It's only if you step over those bounds where he will come down on you hard. Yeah, so when we release the DVD, we could have, have like to... a, a variant cover with Malcolm McDowell on it, looking angry. Yes, yeah, definitely. He'd have to be dressed in like a referee's uniform as well. <laughs> Black and white like stripes. Shorts that are slightly too short. <laughs> and like socks pulled all the way up to the knees. Yeah. So he's like a he's like an English football referee, but in a, an, a, an American eating contest for no particular reason other yeah. than that. We're for no reason apart from the fact that we need Malcolm McDowell in this film. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get him in. I reckon him and Guy Fieri would get on. Yeah, they definitely. You know, they they'd be hanging out between takes. Definitely. Yeah. And I reckon him and Charles Grodin would as well. I can imagine them sitting in chairs, sitting like kicking back in chairs, having a drinking some scotch. Talking about old yeah. old talk shows. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I could imagine that as well. Yeah, so we've got our referee. Yeah, maybe we we need some inspiration for the judging the judging panel. We need to make them mm. all. I mean, yeah, the the supporting cast. Every time we watch a film, we find someone who's good, like Malcolm McDowell. We have to get them into the supporting cast somewhere until we have just the biggest and most expensive but best supporting cast of all time. And then Guy Fieri has to, you know, take out a lot of second mortgages on houses in Flavortown to afford to finance this. But I know that he will. <laughs> I know that he'll come through. I, I, I think we'll find we'll find many backers. I think if we put this on Kickstarter, this is we have millions within hours. I yeah. think there will be lots of people on board. We should set up our own crowdfunding site like Indiegogo, but called Indie Guy Guy, and it's got a little Guy Fieri picture in the top right. <laughs> Yes. We could have literal stretch goals. So the more money that is paid above the toll, the bigger the hot dog gets. So there's got to be some kind of giant hot dog scene. And the more money that people give, the longer the hot dog will be and the harder it will be to eat it. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally on board with this. Hot dog stretch goals. So, yeah, we've done the poster. It shows that you've done the poster. I think it's it's absolutely your <laughs> finest work to date. I like to think so, yeah. I think I did a good job with that. Yeah. So yeah, next step we'll start working on the on the crowdfunding campaign. We'll count down count down to the launch. We'll let you know when the launch is gonna be. 
probably later this year. Yes, defo. Cool. So it's um it's my choice next. Um I'm wondering about the um going back to the kind of 80s films or actually we haven't have we even <laughs> done any 80s films yet? I don't know if we have. I don't have think we? so. I think everything is the earliest, the early 90s. I don't think we've gone back into the 1980s just yet. Cool. Well, then that's a good time. I think I would like us to do Say Anything because I've never seen it. Oh, neither have I. Oh, well, there we go. Perfect. I mean, I've seen um, like all of the, I think all of the other kind of big romantic 80s films. I've got a John Hughes box set. I've watched them all multiple times and I like them a lot. Um, But I somehow just say anything always seemed to pass me by and i really like john cusack as well i think he's a very very good actor and i haven't seen him in a film where he's been this young so i'm looking forward to seeing him as kind of a young young heartthrob no same here all right it'll be say anything next time not the band although they're also a very good band we could we could have that as the background music yeah beds we don't have beds on this podcast actually Oh, that's true. Yeah, I need to come up with we some need to kind find of some space to put them in. I'll um, I'll just find out all of the little like incidental music that's been used on diners, drive-ins, and dives, and just kind of splice it all together as one giant, really horrible in like party music <laughs> bed, and just put that through. I think that'll help us to retain <laughs> our listenership for sure. I think I think it will. You know. <laughs> Cool. Oh, well, it's nice talking to you on a, a Sunday, sunny Sunday morning. I'm going to go and work out. Yes, I'm indeed. Go and iron some shirts. Um, and we'll we will see you guys next time. Or shall we say you will hear us next time? Because we don't see you, unfortunately, which is a shame. No. But we do. No, we do not until we you. do an Easy A style live stream. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, a lot of podcasts do do that, actually. So we could we could look into that. But uh, I don't know. I think that's the beauty of the podcast form as well. Paddy, that... I don't want to alarm you, but you did just say the word doo-doo. Doo-doo. Oh. <laughs> I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a warts and all. Or should you say a farts and all podcast? <laughs> yeah. So although we, we don't see you, we do hear from you. Um we don't have any any follow up or feedback for this episode, um, but if you want to get in touch, Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at Big Boys Don't Pod. Always keen to hear from you to hear what films you like, what films you don't like, hear about romance, anything at all. So get in touch. Yes, definitely. Please do. And thanks a lot for tuning in. And we will we will see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye bye.